In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. In this scripture reading of the, of the day, and as we celebrate the second Sunday of the Holy 50 Days after the resurrection, um, we, we read the reading where Christ speaks about himself as being the bread of life. And um, in verse 37, we read, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. And so we, we think about and contemplate on this idea that anyone who comes to Christ, Christ will by no means cast out, that God accepts those who come to him and he does not reject them because of their sins. Oftentimes we feel that we are rejected or abandoned by God because of the magnitude of our sin and our disobedience of him. But actually, if we look a little deeper, we can find many examples in the scripture of people who were very sinful and, and, and had committed many, many acts of sin and yet Christ accepted them. And this is here what he is saying. He's saying, the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. So we want to look a little bit at some examples of people whom Christ accepted, uh, despite the sins that they had committed. And then we look also at groups of people that were rejected. And we try to understand who is it that is accepted and who is it that is rejected. So first, we'll, we'll speak about some examples of people uh, that were accepted after they repented. The first one that comes to mind is those who are caught in the act of sin. Maybe when we, when we think of someone who was caught in the act of sin, we consider this to be uh, like an egregious offense. An example of this is the adulterous woman who was going to be stoned when she was caught in the act of adultery. And the Pharisees brought her to stone her. And they brought her to Jesus to see what is it that he would say should be done to her. And we know the story uh, in John chapter 8, and it says, So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. So while it was in the mind of all of the people that she should be stoned and condemned for the sin that she committed, and, the, and, and then maybe the way that we perceive God or understand God and knowing that he is righteous and that he hates sin, that we would imagine that he himself would say, you know, this is justice, that she should receive this um, condemnation. And actually, this was a condemnation that was given in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, it was said about an adulteress that she should be stoned. So what the people were doing were following the law that was given to them by God. So in this case, when, when they brought um, this woman to Christ, what is it that they were doing? They were trying to trap him. They, were, they knew that the law said that she should be stoned. And actually... When you look at Christ's response, he never said, it is not right for you to stone her, because this indeed was the law. He said, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. So what he was saying was, is look at yourselves and see if you yourselves deserve to be stoned. If you yourself deserve condemnation for your own sins, how is it that you are going to go and condemn this woman? And this is when the scripture says, everyone just walked away, because they didn't, they didn't, they couldn't justify in themselves that they would stone a woman for being a sinner when they themselves were sinners. So this is the way that Christ looked at this woman, right? That he saw in her that she had another chance, that she could repent, that, that there was another opportunity for her to change. That even though she was caught in the act of sin, but because of her repentance, he allowed her to live and he gave her another chance. And he even uh, defended her against all of those who sought to condemn her, right? So... Oftentimes we are ensnared in sin in various ways. And even though we repent and we regret the sin we committed and maybe even confess the sin, 
and yet inside we have this lingering feeling that God has not accepted me, right? But here we, we go back to the original verse and he says what? The one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. So when we come to Christ, even in our brokenness and our sinfulness, he says he will not cast us out. He will accept us, right? If we repent of our sins. Another example is those who have lived a long life of sin. Maybe the sins we are talking about are not just certain major events that have happened in our lives that are few and far between, but maybe a long, long life of sin. An example of this is the right-hand thief. You know, we, we read um, in Luke 23 during the crucifixion and, and that this thief had lived as a thief for his entire life. Um, and according to some traditions and some, some accounts that even when Christ was a child uh, in Egypt during the period of time when the Holy Family had fled from Israel to Egypt, it is said by some that even when Christ was a child that this same man who was on his right hand uh, was a thief and he actually tried to rob the Holy Family. So it, it was said this um, as some, some stories and some traditions say. So in this sense, this man had, had was a thief and he was a thief for his entire life. This was his occupation of what it is that he was doing. And yet we read uh, after this man says, remember me when you come into your kingdom, it says, and Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Right. So immediately there was there was forgiveness. Right. Again, we go to the to the verse, the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out this man, even though he was in the last moment of his life and he had no way to redeem himself or to undo or to give back any of the things that he had stolen or to apologize to anyone he had robbed or, or to do any redeeming kind of act. All, all he did was he asked Christ, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Like, I want to be with you in your kingdom. He believed, right, in that moment. And Christ said, today you will be with me in paradise. He accepted this. He accepted the desire of this man who many, many of us, maybe if this, if, if we hadn't had this dialogue between the right-hand thief and, and Christ, if we, if we hadn't read about it, then we would have assumed this man had been condemned, right? And yet Christ redeemed him because he came to him and he by no means casted him out. This, this, this right-hand thief. Another example of um, someone who is accepted um, after the repentance is, is those who deny him. Maybe there are periods of time in our life where we turn away from God completely, where we deny him, where we reject him, we reject his commandments, we reject the church, we, we, we leave completely thinking that we know a better way or for whatever reason that we leave. Um, an example of someone who denied Christ is St. Peter. Right? We know that St. Peter denied Christ three times uh, before the crucifixion. And even though St. Peter thought himself to be one of the most faithful of the apostles, willing to die for him and to do anything for Christ, yet Christ knew that he was going to betray him. And Christ knew he was going to leave him. And yet after the, the, St. Peter fell into this sin and he denied Christ, yet Christ was not there condemning him and telling him, you are no apostle of mine. Uh, how can you be an apostle when... Um, you are so easily uh, frightened when you are not willing to be persecuted, where you're not willing to die for me. He didn't do any of these things, right? Even though St. Peter was ultimately to be martyred, and even though St. Peter was called to be an apostle who would, uh, you know, experience a lot of hardship and a lot of persecution, right? Christ did not look at him and say, you are not apostle material. You, you, don't, you don't have what it takes to be an apostle. Actually, no, he said what Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he asked them three times, do you love me? 
and he restored him again to his apostleship uh, after he was resurrected. So even those who deny Christ, right? When, when, when St. Peter felt to be blamed, when he felt sorrowful for what is it that he had done and he regretted what he had done, even though he denied Christ, yet when Christ saw him, he restored him again to his place. There was no condemnation. There was no even words of rebuke. There was just a quiet and gentle restoration of him again, right? So again, we see this same example. The one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Anyone who is willing, who has potential, who wants to serve, who wants to work, who wants to repent, who wants to change anyone, Christ will not cast out. The last example of someone who will not be cast out uh, and accepted after they repent is those who trust in God's mercy. Right, those who trust in God's mercy. A perfect example of this is the Ninevites. When God sent Jonah the prophet to the Ninevites in the book of Jonah, uh, he, he sent him because he wanted the Ninevites to repent. He wanted them to return so that God would not destroy them. And yet the message that Jonah delivered, right, the message that Jonah gave to the Ninevites was not a hopeful message. He never mentioned the, the idea that if you repent, then God will spare you, right? All he said was that this great city, Nineveh, is going to be destroyed. God is going to destroy the city because of your sins, okay? But the response of those people when they heard this is they fasted. They fasted without food or water. Even their babies fasted. Even their animals fasted. And they put on sackcloth. In every way, they humbled themselves before God because they took seriously this warning and this judgment that came from the mouth of the prophet. And so they all uh, took it seriously and they all were frightened and they all repented, right? And so even though God had never even told them that there was any room for repentance, he never told them, if you repent, I will accept you again. All he did was he told them the condemnation that was going to be upon them. You know, we might think that if we were in such a situation, we would think that now it is hopeless. Um, I cannot undo the sins I have committed. I cannot uh, go back and, and change them again. And now the judgment has come and I can, cannot find mercy from uh, the judge, right? But here what, God, what, what we find from God is that he is still very merciful. And even in the times where he is expressing um, his rebuke and he's expressing his anger, and yet here with the Ninevites, he responded so positively to when they repented. And it says, then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it, right? So again, we see another example. The one who comes to me, I will no, by no means cast out. In every way, in every way, whenever anyone has demonstrated any type of repentance, any type of regret, any type of, any type of desire to change, uh, fasting for change, anything that they have done, God accepts it from them. So, so it's important for us to understand this principle that whatever sin we commit, whatever past regrets we have, whatever it is that we are struggling with, if we go to him, he will not cast us out. He will accept us again. He is the bread of life, right? All that the father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. But if we dig a little bit deeper, okay, we find that there are examples of people in the scripture that were rejected. Right? There are examples of people who um, Christ did not accept or God did not accept. So what makes them different than these examples here that we have mentioned? Okay, 
So let's speak about those who are rejected. One category of people who are rejected were those who did not offer uh, a sincere repentance, right? Remember one of the, the, the qualifications or the requirements for um, being accepted by God is repentance, right? God hears those who are repentant, those who are sorrowful, those who are mourning, those who are regret what it is that they had done. But those who do not repent, those who justify themselves are rejected, right? An example of this is uh, King Saul, right? King Saul, uh, he was sent by God or he was appointed by God to be king. Um, and then there was this uh, uh, time when uh, God asked Saul to capture uh, the enemy. Uh, and the, the king of the enemy was uh, King Agag. And he told him to kill the king and to uh, kill all of the and, and destroy all of the possessions of this king. Right. Not to take any spoil for himself, but to, to destroy the king all of a sudden. OK. Um, uh or, or sorry, sorry, this is a different example that I'm talking about. This is the example where King Saul was uh, waiting for Samuel to come to offer a sacrifice, uh, but Samuel came late and he did not come to offer the sacrifice before it was time to go to battle. So King Saul was concerned that they were going to go to battle uh, without having offered a sacrifice. And so um, King Saul went ahead and he offered the sacrifice himself. It wasn't a lawful sacrifice because he as he was not a priest. He was not able to offer the sacrifice, but he felt compelled to do so because he was about to go to the war. So uh, Samuel the prophet ended up coming uh, just after the, he had offered this sacrifice. And in this conversation where Samuel is rebuking Saul for offering the sacrifice on his own, we actually read something very curious. Okay. It says in 1 Samuel 15, it says, Then Samuel said to Saul, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. So from the outside, when you look at it, it looks like he's repented, right? I mean, he said, I have sinned. I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. Please pardon my sin and so on. So it looks like there is repentance here, but we know that God did not accept his repentance. And in the end, God rejected King Saul from being king altogether. And there were other examples as well where um, King Saul uh, sinned against God by disobeying him. And his response was also something that kind of sounded like it was repentance. But in all of these examples, there is self-justification and there is um, the, the kind of the reasoning why uh, King Saul here is saying that I have sinned is uh, maybe for different reasons is that he wants honor right um, he asked actually King Samuel or Samuel the prophet to return with him to the people so that people would see that Samuel is still supporting the king because he was very much interested in how the people saw him um, also he's giving excuses as to the reason why that he uh, did what he did he said I feared the people and obeyed their voice King Saul he was very superficial in his repentance. And so time after time, when all of these things would happen, he demonstrated that he had a lack of submission and obedience to God, not just for this situation, but for others as well. And in the end, none of his repentance was sincere, right? He had maybe other motives. Maybe he, 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 he wanted to be seen as good among the people, right? 
He didn't really obey. He justified himself so much in the things that he did in this example and in others. So because his, his um, uh, repentance was not sincere, God rejected him. If you look at actually at, at the example of King David, right, compared to him, King David committed all kinds of sins. I mean, he committed um, adultery, he murdered, and, and even though he did all of this, God never rejected him from being king. So what's the difference, right? King David repented wholeheartedly and sincerely, whereas King Saul was insincere in his repentance, even though it looked like repentance, even though he said, I have sinned, and it looked like repentance, but it was not a sincere repentance. So the first category of people who are rejected are those who do not offer a sincere repentance. The second is, is those who focus only on what they can get from God, right? What is my reason for wanting to return to God? Is it maybe because I lost something that I want him to give it back to me again? An example of this is Esau. Esau, we know his story is that he sold his birthright uh, for some stew, right? That his brother Jacob had, had, had cooked, right? He, he kind of... Um, he didn't care about his position. He didn't care that he was the older brother. He didn't care that he was uh, to receive the birthright and the blessing from his father, Isaac. And actually, this means that to receive this birthright means that he would be the one through which the Messiah would eventually come, right? We know that as of now, Jacob is the one who was the father of the 12 uh, tribes of Israel. And then eventually through the tribe of Judah, the Messiah, Jesus came right? It was originally the plan through the older brother Esau, that he is the one with the birthright, and he would be the one to get this blessing, right? But Esau didn't care about this. He, 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 this wasn't interesting to him. He didn't care about his position. He didn't care about what God wanted to do through him or anything. All he cared about in that moment is that he was hungry and he wanted to eat food, okay? And it says about him in Hebrews 12, it says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears, right? So after, at the end of his father's life, at the end of Isaac's life, when Isaac was going to give this final blessing before he died, right? Esau wanted it for himself, but he, not, he could not receive it. He did not get it, right? Because he had rejected it in the end. So, so those who focus only on what they can get here, this verse says, um, for, you know, afterward that uh, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Why did he want to inherit the blessing, right? Did, did he want to inherit the blessing only because it was a blessing for him because he wanted to get something from him for, for himself, right? So, so here the scripture and St. Paul, when he's writing, calls him a fornicator and a profane person, right? Again, what looked like Maybe it was a repentance, what looked like he was regretting what is it that had happened, but maybe his focus was not right. Maybe he didn't, he didn't ask for the right reasons or he wanted the right things. And it, or maybe it was too late at that point because he had already given it up, right? So, so again, this is an example of someone who was rejected because their, their repentance was maybe for the wrong reason. Another example of those who are rejected are those who twist God's commandments and harm others' salvation. Example of this is the Pharisees. Okay, we read the rebuke that Christ made of the Pharisees in Matthew 23, when he said, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to, one, to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. 
So these uh, scribes and Pharisees, and we know that these were like constantly um, at odds with Christ throughout his entire ministry. They were always attacking him. They were always uh, uh, like attacking his authority and questioning his motives and trying to, to, to trap him and to find reasons why he was illegitimate. And here Christ is rebuking them and he's calling them hypocrites. And he's saying, you, you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, like a convert, like to win one convert to the Jewish faith. And then when you have won him, you make him twice as much a son of hell in the sense that they are, they are teaching him hypocrisy, right? The Pharisees were hypocrites. They were focusing so much on the external actions, but their hearts were impure. They, they, were, not, they were not seeking true uh, relationship with God or true obedience, but they just wanted the authority and people to uh, praise them and so on, right? So it's important here for us to understand what makes these Pharisees rejected, right? Because in many ways, when you look at their external actions, they were righteous people. They were teachers of the law that taught people the, the law. But inside their hearts, they were dead, right? And, and Christ said so about them. They would twist God's commandments for their own benefit. They would focus on the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. And in doing so, they would actually harm other people. We read in, the, in Matthew 18 that whoever causes one of these little ones, was referring to children, who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea, right? Here, these Pharisees not only had lost their own salvation because of their hypocrisy, but they were teaching other people to do the same. So one, they were twisting God's commandments, and two, it is through this twisting of the commandments that they, they, they would then harm other people. And again, they were rejected. These Pharisees, they never repented. They never accepted their own sin. They never, uh, they never like acknowledged their weaknesses, their sin, what they were doing, except for a very few of them. And so they were rejected by God. Another example of people who are rejected are those who do not forgive, right? We know in, in Matthew chapter six, it says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. I hear this verse is very clear, speaking about how important it is for us to forgive others, that if we want to be forgiven ourselves, then we are called to forgive. So, so I have to take this message seriously and ask myself, who is it that I am to forgive? Who is it that has harmed me that I need to forgive, that I need to reconcile with, that I need to, um, you know, deal with the, the, the kind of the, the, the problems that I have with other people and to stop judging others, even those who have harmed me, and instead to learn how to love everyone, right? Because God made our forgiveness contingent on that we forgive others. So it's very important. God is saying to us, just as you expect me to forgive you who have legitimately sinned, so also you are called to forgive others who have legitimately sinned, right? We, we know there's the, the parable of the servant who was forgiven a great debt by his master. You know, he owed 10,000 talents to his master, which is a huge amount of money, and his master forgave him because of his kindness. But that same servant went out and he sought another servant whom he had uh, let him borrow money, and he told him, come pay me the money that you owe me. But when that servant was not able to pay, the other servant threw him in prison, right? So on the one hand, this, that wicked servant was forgiven a, a large debt, but he was not willing to forgive a small debt from his fellow servant. And, and in the end of this parable, that wicked servant was thrown into jail until he was able to pay every last penny of the debt, 
which was impossible for him to pay because it was far more money than he had. So this is kind of a, an analogy to what sometimes that we do. God has forgiven us a debt, which is an eternal debt, which is a debt that, that there is no way we could pay for ourselves, which is the debt of sin, that we have sinned against him. And, and God is coming to us and saying, I have forgiven you this massive debt, and I'm allowing you to come and enter into paradise and not holding these sins against you anymore. But I'm asking you to go and forgive your brothers and sisters who maybe the debt that they owe you because of the, the things they have done against you are far, far, far smaller than what it is that you have done against me. So if I am forgiving you this, I'm asking you also to forgive. And those who do not forgive, again, are rejected, just like it says here, right? Unless we forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. The final point that I want to mention are those who do not submit to God, even though they do wonders, like even though somebody does miracles, right, but does not submit to God, these, this person is rejected. We read in Matthew 7, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name? And done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So, so what are, who are these people? These are people that, have, that are faithful in the sense that they believe in God. And that they are working the works of God. Because they are doing things like casting out demons. They are doing wonders in his name. They are prophesying in his name. They've been given many spiritual gifts by God, and they're using those gifts. But even as they use these gifts, they, they are not aware of themselves that they are what? Practicing lawlessness, that they are not submitting to God, that they are doing wondrous things that are maybe very visible, but they themselves have, are not submitting. They themselves are not repenting. They themselves in themselves are focusing only on maybe the service or the external things that they're doing but they're not focusing on their own spiritual life, on their own repentance and so on. So this verse is, is always very striking because here God is speaking about people that know the Lord, people that are even calling out to the Lord. They're saying, Lord, Lord, right? And, and, and they're, they're, they're doing the works and using the spiritual gifts that they have been given by God, like miracle working and prophesying, casting out demons and so on. And yet in the end, what Christ is saying, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So how is it that he can say, I never knew you? I never knew you at all? Because maybe they were never with the Lord. They, they took the, the gifts, they took these um, benefits from God, and they used them. And maybe they, they used them and, and impressed people with them. Maybe they, they used them for whatever motivation that they had. But they never really had this uh, intimate relationship with God. So again, these are people that are rejected. They never, they never really had that relationship with God. They were only interested and focused on these external works and things that they are doing. So here we spoke about several uh, examples of people who are accepted um, based on this verse that we read today. The one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. All the people that repented, they had a sincere repentance, even though that they were caught in sin even though they might have lived a long life in sin, even though they might have denied the Lord, even though uh, that they, 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 they had made so many mistakes in their life because they trusted in God and they sought, it from, they sought mercy from him and they were willing to change. They were willing to repent and to submit to God and to 
ask him to forgive them. But those who are rejected are those who do not offer sincere repentance, are those who do not care about making their relationship right with God, but maybe more focusing on what they can get from God, those who twist God's commandments, those who do not forgive others, those who do not submit to God, even though they might be doing miracles. So we can see a pattern of behavior here for both those who have been accepted and those who have been rejected. We ask that God help us to be accepted by him, to grant us his mercy, to help us to be humble before him, that even though we might live in sin, that we struggle against, but that we always remain faithful and consistent in our repentance and confession. And glory be to God forever. Amen.